Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersena from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. It is the Lawn and Garden Journal. My fingers are sort of twingling here thinking, oh my gosh, it's going to be spring soon. Yes, it is going to come. Slowly it is. And it's a little bit of a whiteout happening today. And I think it's a little bit of a different whiteout for some of us because the Jets are going to be playing. I feel for those who had the snow this week, it's a little reminder that yes, spring is still a little bit delayed. But then I look at around and look and some areas do need that little extra moisture in the ground so it is maybe a little bit of helpful in that aspect but there's different signs of spring that are in the air and this week the trees in our backyard were dressed with a little bit of color and the little bit of color came in the form of some robins so they are back we've been hearing the geese honking their way at us seeing a little bit more puffed-up chickadees that are about there. But it is the robin who truly says, Spring is here. And they do have a beautiful song. Listen to this poem as it says, Robins come. From the elm tree's topmost bough, Hark the robin's early song, Telling one and all that now Merry springtime hastes along. Welcome tidies dost thou bring, little harbinger of spring. Robins come, of the winter we are weary, weary of the frost and the snow, longing for the sunshine cheery and the brooklet's gurgling flow. Gladly then we hear thee sing the revel of the spring. Robins come, Ring it out to thy hill and plain, through the garden's lonely bowers, till the green leaves dance again, till the air is spring with flowers. Wake the cowslips by the rill, wake the daffodil, robins come. Then, as thou wert want of yore, build thy nest and rear thy young, close beside the cottage door, in the woodbine leaves among. Hurt or harm, thou needst not fear. Nothing rude shall venture near. Robins come. Swinging still o'er yonder lane, Robert, Robins answer merrily, Ravished by the sweet refrain. Alice claps her hands in glee, Calling from the open door, With her soft voice, Over and over. Robins come. And it is a sign of spring. Welcome back, everyone. It is April 22nd. The month is flying by, and yes, we have a little remember, remembrance of uh, a little white stuff flying around out there, but spring will come. If you're visiting your garden centers, you will see definitely the color, the scent, the sounds of gardening indoors. It is invigorating, and it makes you just want to get in the garden. But again, it's a little too soon to be walking through the garden because if they are if the soils are wet the gardens are wet we do not want to add that extra weight on top and give it the compaction we want that heaving 
to come out from the ice in the water. Give it a little bit of a lift, let some air holes and everything go underneath there to give it a little bit of energy for the soil. Now, we know that spring is here. And as I mentioned, the birds are coming back in a vengeance. I was walking through the garden centers this morning and in one of my low buildings, lo and behold, a few geese decided to land on one of my short eight-foot buildings. And a little shocking at first, but as they looked down at me, I think they envisioned the green and the colors of my plants as being something that they would like to nibble on. Thank goodness we had the barrier of the greenhouse that was there. And they can be a little nasty, those uh, those big geese. So you got to be a little cautious with them right now. Enjoy the robins and enjoy the birds. And I know it's something that uh, as we grow plants, there are some remnant plants of some that have overwintered that can be a little bit of a food source for some of our birds. But if you do have uh, opportunity, if you can fill up those suet hangers uh, with a little bit of that delicious medium for them to get. It, they've done a they've done a hard work coming here. A lot of the birds are coming back and then we need a little bit of a feed for them. So if you love the birds in your backyards, you can start offering some of those foods to them. Just imagine flapping your wings for all the way from deep down south up this way. And I know that uh, someone did mention to me that in the deep south, the geese were leaving and they were heading this way. And some of the small birds too and it's those small birds that it's always a mystery how they can fly that distance that they have it kind of reminds me of of doing all the hard work right now in the garden center this is the time where we say we're building muscle and moving and doing so if you're thinking that gardening is just an activity to get beautiful flowers and maybe some homegrown food Think of the exercise you're getting. I know that at this time, our crew here is definitely getting exercise. Now, I'm going to mention, last week, we I, I had a little bit of a glitch in um, not seeing that some of the callers were waiting for me. We had a lineup. So, if you're listening and you called me last week and you did not get through, the lines are open. 1-800-374-3315. Please call back because we had a little hiccup on my side here with our uh, feeding. I'll apologize on that. I'd love to hear from you. Let's talk about gardening, whether it's, yes, the notorious bowl issue that's happening here, transplanting, pruning. There is so much to talk about on the Lawn Garden Journal. It's a beautiful Saturday morning, and we're going to go right to lines. I hope everyone calls back. That was missed last week. We've got Kurt on the line. Good morning, Kurt. Good morning. Uh, I'm just wondering, <clears throat> wondering about uh, when I grow broccoli that uh, I get these root maggots that attack the roots of the broccoli plant. Uh, like it's a fly that lays the eggs at the base of the roots. Is there any way to control this? Well, um, if it is a maggot that's a, sort of a, a crawling kind of insect, what I would probably do is maybe plant a little bit of di- or put a little bit of diatomaceous earth in the hole where you're planting it. Um, diatomaceous earth is known for crawling insects, so I would probably do an application when you do plant it, and then probably a secondary application as it develops. Okay. Okay. Uh, 
like they also you sometimes get uh, maggots in uh, onions. Would that be good to sprinkle some of that uh, earth where you plant the onions? Yeah, I would probably use that too as well. And some people um, had said, at, I think I believe one time too, they they'd used onion skins as well. I'd have to go back in some of my notes that people have written down on there, but uh, diatomaceous earth will help that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But, but when you let's say like when you plant young plants, broccoli plants, you keep watering. Uh, will that uh, watering wash it away or dissolve it? It should. It wouldn't dissolve it. I think it's going to stay in its form that it's in there. But a, a little bit of a reapplication because you're not putting tons of it on there, right? Right. Yeah. All right. All righty. Thank you. You're very welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for calling. So as we have... Um, we go through, we're starting to look at the different types of things that are going to be happening in our gardens, whether right off the hop. And if you find also too, I should mention that if you find that you have insects affecting a crop in a certain location all the time, a little bit of crop rotation is also going to maybe help remedy some of that areas. And it's great to be able to crop rotate because you don't want to deplete um, some soils from the same plant being in that area constantly. So that's why crop rotation was invented. Okay, uh, we have Marshan on the line. Hello. Hello. Marchant? I don't know if this one, Parker, I don't know if we have this uh, person on the line here yet, but uh, maybe we can try connecting again within. Um, the line might have dropped in there. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, but please call back because I just can't connect up with you right now. Now, when we were talking about it, maybe Parker could get the other person going. The lines are open. 1-800-374-3315. Okay, but we do have Kathy waiting. So we'll go right to Kathy. Hi, Kathy. Good morning. How are you today? I'm good, and I forgot to ask... um, Kurt, where he was calling from. I like knowing where you guys are, are located. Where are you calling from today? Yeah, I'm calling from La Brokery. La Brokery. Well, I know exactly where yes. you are. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, I just wanted to check. First of all, I wanted to check. What is that called, What you, the previous caller, what you talked about, his, uh, putting on his plant for those worms? Something Diet- tenacious? Yeah, diatomaceous earth. It's... Oh, um, yeah, it's um, D I. Okay, let me see if I can remember how to spell it right. D I A M O T A C O U S. Diatomaceous earth. Okay. And what, what what can you get that stuff from? You can get it at any fine garden center. Okay, sounds all right. Might okay. might use it someday. Yes, well, my you, question is. Sure. Go I ahead. bought a bunch of these uh, daily bulbs from the store. Yep. And uh, can I pre-plant them indoors already or not? Oh yes, you can. This is um, because I do the gladiolas always indoors. You know. Yep. You can, and you know what? I'm going to put a little star beside your name because that was one of the things that was sort of a call to action for gardening. Because some people 
have not even looked at some of their bulbs that are tucked away either in the basement or the cold room or the cellar. So it's time to take out some of those bulbs. And because yeah, it happened to it, me last year. <laughs> it happens to, yeah. I think I have, I think I have a few bulbs that are sitting in my basement too, kind of going, oh, oh um, I've been too busy here to go down there and sort of look at them. And oh, isn't, yes, yeah. get them, so, get them uh, up. Uh, so you just put a bit of soil over them and let them uh, soften up, I guess, warm up a bit or something, right? Um, were they in the cool basement? No, I have a cool garage. Yeah, if they were in, a, as long as they were not frozen, that they were just in a chill. Oh no, state. no, I just bought them this year already. So, okay, you can start them, and uh, I would get them potted. Make sure that you're uh, don't go into a pot that's really, really big. You know. Oh no. Uh, just start off a little bit smaller that's on there, so that the root development happens really good, and that you have good drainage on those roots for them to start uh, pushing up that. Yeah. Okay. Foliage. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's okay. Sounds all right. Okay. Uh, wonderful. I, I say my, I have my basement windows full of geraniums. They're very uh, weak, but I don't think there's nothing else you can do about them, right? Well, with weak with weak geraniums, what you can do is give them a little bit of a pinching on them. Uh, rather than them getting or increase your light, okay? If you mm-hmm. increase your light, that'll prevent the stretching of the plants that's on there. And what you want to oh. do is increase lighting that's on it. And um, if it's too, if it's in the south window and it's very hot during the day, that the <sighs> excessive heat can cause stretching too as well. Oh yeah, they have been blooming all winter long. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. pretty. But I would, oh, yeah. I would pinch, it looks I would nicer pinch from them. the outside. <laughs> I can see the window now with all the geraniums yeah, blowing in it. Exactly, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just oh. went through right now, I'll just let you know, right now on some of our plants, we have some of our uh, greenhouse help uh, pinching plants right now because when you pinch a plant, even your geraniums or other categories of plants, by pinching them and taking down that lead growth that keeps wanting to go up, 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 Whatever leaf nodes that are below, it causes more branching down below. Oh, okay, so it yeah. Makes a uh, makes a fuller plant, and a fuller plant, mm-hmm. the more the more fuller the fuller the plant they are, the more branches you have, the more potential. That's for right. More yes. Bloom. Yeah. Yeah. I will okay. do my best. I love my flowers. Oh, thank well, you so much. Have a great day. You too, Kathy. Thank you for calling. Okay. Thanks. Bye bye. Okay. All right. Bye bye. So. That is perfect, and you get a star because there are some dahlias that are back there. There are some callas and caladiums in someone's basement right now, and they're going, aha, I have to get those going and growing. Okay, uh, Mershant is back on the line. Good morning. Good morning, Mershant. Hello? Hello? Is it Mar? Oh, Margaret. Is it Margaret? Yes. Yes. Oh, hi, Margaret. Sorry. I yeah, was getting... I was wondering how, when somebody changed my name. Oh, <laughs> I just, I just have the typing in through here, and they typed it a couple times. So I'm glad I got the correct spelling. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm calling about uh, my orchid. Okay. It it had um, two stems. It has stopped flowering. But each stem now has a plant on it. Oh, okay. And and the plants 
have two to three inch roots already, and one of the plants is getting the stem where the flowers will come on. So how do I cut it off or whatever to transplant it? Okay. Um, if we can just describe, because some people are probably going, I can, what's happening? I, I'm sorry, but I can hardly hear you. Um, there's a point where if it's uh, the plant actually uh, produces a new stem where the plant develops a little bit more on it. So when that happens, you can either take that plant and bend it into a, a new medium and pin it in there. But it, you're saying that the new plant development has already got a good sustainable rooting system on it? Yes. Okay. So if the rooting system is already sustained on that, you could probably sort of, it's like cutting that umbilicus or cutting that connector to the mother. So you can do that now. Um, I, in other instances, if you had that leaf development coming up higher without the development of those additional rootings, I would then recommend that you take it, bend it into a, a medium and then allow it to grow that way until there's more roots. But it sounds like it's ready to go independent on itself. It's, it's, it's now time for the mother robin to kick it out of its nest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so it, um, do we have to have a special soil for that? Well, normally orchids are in the epiphyte family, which means they don't grow in soil themselves. Mm -hmm. They grow in nature. They grow attached to a tree trunk. Mm -hmm. That's why mm -hmm. they have those tenderly long um, rooting systems, they'll rest on the branches of trees and they, that's where they sustain. If it rains, they get the moisture from it and then that's all they need to take to survive. So a nice light medium is usually in an orchid bark system and some orchid barks will consist of a little bit of sphagnum, bark, and a little bit of pumice. So it depends on the type of orchid that you have that they steer you to the proper mix of bark ratio okay mm -hmm. so is it a um can I, is it a phalaenopsis like the one with yes. the strap leaves yes. at the bottom yes yeah so that you can use a general mix that is perfect for a phalaenopsis which has a a, a combination of a, a little bit a little bit of sphagnum because you don't want to have that sphagnum too heavy to hold too much moisture too long on that roots because the what it's in now is just totally just all bark yeah well, they sometimes call it, come all in bark, but it depends on, I find that I've seen them, uh, it's kind of in a mixed ratio. I've seen them always, sometimes in total bark. I've seen them all sometimes arrive from uh, companies where they grow them in all packed sphagnum. And I've also seen them where they come in a mixture. I find that if it's early in the development, sometimes they'll put them in a little bit more of a packed uh sphagnum because once it dries out it holds the plant a little bit base you know how sometimes sphagnum moss when it dries out it's like cardboard it holds uh -huh. them up right uh -huh. but uh -huh. if that's the case you have to be very cognizant about how much moisture you're going to put in because sphagnum moss can hold moisture for a while right yes yeah okay so do do i cut it off at um, at either end of the plant like it's about about in the middle of the stem. And the stemming's probably what, 12 inches, 10 inches? Uh, yeah, I would say all of 12, 14. Yeah, yeah. You can either do one or the other that's on there. 
Okay. And sometimes, uh, sometimes I've seen it where it's been cut right dead center in the center, and all of a sudden you get a new development of another orchid starting. So oh, okay. some things have happened. <laughs> all right? Okay, thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for calling, Margaret. Okay, bye. Okay, bye-bye. It's interesting how we, as gardeners, we all have green thumbs, some a little greener than others, but I love that we love showing and telling stories about what we have. And we're looking after still caring for our indoor plants as we dream about the colors and the textures and the tickling of the green grass that is soon to come. There are so many things to talk about. Yes, I have visions of tickling my toes in the lawn, but then I also look at some of the vole damage that have been done. It's part of the conversation. If you have some of that, we can talk about that. But we have another caller on the line. Uh, I think Mary is waiting. Hi, Mary. Hi. Hi, good morning. Where are you calling from this morning? Austin. Uh, okay, where is Austin again? Remind me. Um, half hour west of Portage Prairie. Okay, all right. All right, I got your location then. I know that I've heard of some of these places, and I've probably driven by some of them before. But uh, a small town just off the highway. <laughs> well, you know what? Some of those small towns are the cutest little uh, towns that you have. And you just gave me sort of a flashback. Um, my dad, uh, when we were younger as uh, young kids, he used to put us, all four of us, in the back of the Chevy Impala. And he loved driving out to the country and... A lot of times, I, I maybe that's what inspired me. The country gardens, just I would drive by and go, that is beautiful, that is beautiful, that is beautiful. So the little country towns, hun, have a little well, bit we, of a we have, big hearts. We have a landmark real cool. Um, Austin Man- um, Manitoba Agriculture Museum is just kitty corner from here. Beautiful. I yeah. love it. Anything to do with egg, I love it. That's on there. <laughs> All right, how can we help you, Mary, this morning? Well, I have this huge aloe vera plant. I transplanted it back in, oh, in the fall sometime. I bought a bigger pot because the one it was in, it was literally falling over. So I now bought a nice um, ceramic, no, terracotta pot type thing. Yep. Transplanted it, but um, it's the bottom leaves are turning. First it was purple, now it's brown, and... Um, yeah, I'm wondering, am I overwatering, underwatering? What am I doing wrong? Okay. Can, can um, I cut off the brown ones? or You can cut off the brown ones that are on there, or there's different types of scenarios that will cause an aloe vera leaves to change a little bit of color tones. Now, can I ask you what size pot was it in, and what size pot did it go to? Oh. I think I went up about two inches. Like now it's in a, well, I'll just quickly do a measure here. <laughs> yeah. Normally we say you go up one to two inches, but also too, if you have a lot of depth, additional depth on the bottom, that's adding a little bit more moisture to them. And aloes can go quite dry in between some of the waterings. Okay. Well, it's a nine inch pot now. And, um, so you're probably in a six-inch or seven-inch pot before? I think so, yeah. Okay. So in And I haven't planted it. Like, I, I left the soil it's about three inches from the top because I needed to support it. It's such a big plant. And so I um, didn't bring it right up to the top. So now I thought, can I add soil to it? 
Is that no. what's wrong? But no. yeah, okay. So I would not any add any additional soil to the top surface of that plant because a lot of plants and tropical plants, and I'm going to th- also throw trees and shrubs into that category. A lot of plants, if you plant them too deep, that is a causing effect that's choking their. Um, it's sometimes their stemming or their trunk systems that will cause a detriment to them. You know, it's totally different than if I wanted to plant my marigold seedlings deeper to encourage the the strengthening of that. With tropical plants and trees and shrubs, this is a reverse. You don't want to do that. So if you had additional stemming that you wanted the support that's around it, uh, and I know sometimes if they don't have that support, they kind of have a tendency not to want to go straight upright. They start giving that domed effect where it's a pave style florist shape that's all the way around like a complete dome. So I wouldn't put extra soil on top because then you're going to be adding soil above the lower uh, leaf, the lowest leaves, right? Like you don't want to bury those lowest leaves. So sometimes we get color changes if there's a transplant and it's it's kind of called transplant, uh, transplant shock. It, you've gone from some containers that are really where plants love to be tight and root bound, right? And now it's gone to additional soil where it's kind of going, I don't know what to do. I've got all this extra soil. And at some point, if it has more soil in it, it has to have the capacity to take up that more moisture out of that new medium. Okay. Okay. So did you open up the rooting systems when you planted it? Because sometimes when you're planting, they come out like the shape of the pot because they've been in there for so long. Um, I call it giving it a a bad hair day on the outer rooting systems of it. And if they're really compact, I like to take my pocket knife and sort of cut some new lines in there to cause the new roots to radiate into the new soil and grab into that a little bit. It's like striating the signs of a a new hole when you dig it to plant a tree. Mm -hmm. No, I didn't do that. Okay. Um, If it was just recently done, you may want to lift it and kind of give the outer roots a little bit of a tussle up. You know, bad hair day. And so it just grabs into that new area, want to go venture forth. No, it's it's probably at least three or four months since I did it. It's three or four months since you did? Okay, so leave it. Give it time. Um, Because if if you leave it the shape of the pot, if the roots are really compact, they will still girdle in that same shape. Okay. You see what I mean? Okay. Sometimes, too, temperature changes will cause the plants to take on a different hue or a different color tone. So it could be that. And sometimes, also, too, hmm. can't hear you. Get in the direct sunlight, it caused them to change. I missed a whole color. bunch of your conversation. It just was gone. Oh, but okay, I have here. Okay, this is what I heard you say, sunlight. Um, I have it in an east window right now. Probably not a good idea. East window it, would be okay. It would be okay. It's just if it transitions where it went to a very high bright area. Like I know uh, we had a crop <coughs> here where we took it from uh, a high bright area, air, light, but not full sun. And we took a few trays and we said, let's put them in this area. We put them in our uh, succulent house, which is high, high light, right against a wall that was getting all full sunlight. 
and they started turning a little bit more purple and that brownish tone. So slow transition and change of lighting um, is best, but if you change it drastically, sometimes the effect will cause a color change on some plants. Okay. Okay. Yeah, see, uh, it was in a corner. Um, I only moved it over a couple of feet, but in the corner, it's too big because it's kind of like a bay window, but it's got some wall in the in that angle, and that's where I had it. But now it's too big. I have to find a new location. So it's just been sitting on a on a table in the window. Okay. In the east Maybe. window, but there's a lot of heat. Okay. Well, it's not necessarily heat. It could be that that they're getting too much light on. You know, aloes can take a lot of heat. They can take a lot of heat. But again, slow and steady is always best because dramatic changes, especially with tropicals, can cause different effects on them, okay? So I would maybe pull it, yeah. pull, pull it back a little bit from the window for a little bit to see if you have some recovery, okay? Yeah, see, the tips of one of these looks like it's littered little drying up, and, and the bottom uh, leaves were looking like, hollow so that's why i thought maybe i'd ended water because they weren't looking lush and thick yeah when when you're watering and if you're watering that plant make sure that you're watering evenly distributed around the whole thing so that the water goes through the bottom of the drainage and then do not rewater because you have a lot of new soil that's going to be holding the moisture longer okay it's not like it's not like when it's in its old pot where all those roots were bound and you watered it there's not a lot of room for a lot of moisture because it would the water would take in by the roots and it would run out the rest. Fresh new soil will hold moisture longer. So sunshine is okay, just not too much of it, eh? Yeah, slow and steady. And see, see, and if you pull it back a little bit, there is a chance because I know uh, on, on our plants here, when we pulled them back a little bit, they did green up nicely. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll see if I can find a spot. It's pretty big. It's like two feet in diameter. <laughs> so do you do you harvest from it and use it um, medicinally? Not really. No? Not really. <laughs> yeah. I just they are, it. They are unique plants, and they look gorgeous. And you know what? To blend any type of succulent, because I know there is a lot of ceramic pottery out there, and uh, whether you're doing a ceramic pot for uh, home decor style, but... Uh, I just love the natural look of a clay pot, especially with succulents and cactus. There's just something about it that looks really, really pretty. Yeah. Well, I did buy one that's kind of a greenish gray on the outside, but it is uh, that um, clay pot look on the inside. Yeah. And with a clay pot, we're talking like we, you've just reminded me of something else, is if you have a natural clay pot that is not sealed or painted or uh, glazed on the outside. Just remember, natural clay has that porosity, so not only do they dry out from the soil surface, but it will dry out from the sides as well, mm-hmm. versus a ceramic pot, because the ceramic pot is going to be sealed on the outside, so your evaporation does not happen yeah. through that natural clay. So. Well, my now pot I, is painted on the outside, so... Okay, so it's sealed. Okay, so I suspect it could be a little bit of combination of uh, light changes and possibly a little bit maybe overwatering. okay? Okay, thank okay. you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for the conversation. Okay. Yep, bye-bye. Bye-bye. I don't know. Uh, Parker, I've lost track. If you let me know, just give me a thumbs up if we need to take another break. But there are some things 
And I have to mention that, uh, I don't know if you all know, but it is Earth Day today. So Earth Day coincides with being a gardener's because we care for our plants. We're planting plants. And again, um, when you're planting plants, I've seen more plants uh, fall to a demise of being planted too deep. That is with trees and shrubs. Now, remember, when you come to be planting trees and shrubs this year, you want to make sure that the original root ball stays at the ground level. And do not pile too much mulch on top, too, as well. We want to make sure that those trees and shrubs are well planted. Always the additional soil on the sides and on the bottom. It'll keep them going. Now, I have all these lists going, and whenever we start this show... I have all this list of what we want to do, and then it always goes kind of sideways because there's so many other different things that we could be talking about. We talked about um, Earth Day. We talked about the birds because the birds and, of course, the bees are part and part with our gardens. And pretty soon those little insects are going to be waking up. So it is too soon in some locations. If you're in the deep south, you're probably getting warmer and warmer as it is. But up here, we've had a little bit of snow that's on there, so it has slowed things down. So cleaning up your garden may be a little bit too soon. Like I said earlier, probably last week, it's a good time just to do a quick walkabout, pick up maybe anything that is uh, debris, garbage, bags, whatever, that have sort of rolled into your yards. It's too early if the ground is too soggy to be walking and doing a lot of heavy work on there because that freeze-thaw, freeze-thaw heaving of the ground in the gardens is a beneficial thing. So walking on your lawns or in gardens or preparing gardens that are wet longer, earlier, is actually causing more of a detriment because you're adding compaction to that soil. And compacted soils, our soils are too heavy as it is in the sort of the Red River Basin area where we have those heavy clay soils. So we want to stay off that. If you're in the Brandon area and it's a little bit sandier, you're going to see all that moisture run away a lot faster that's on it. All right. A little bit of a tease before we go is we have a, a couple new sort of uh, tomatoes that are on hand. And one of them this year that we're going to be featuring, and I think it sounds so robust, is Tomato Mountain Man. And Mountain Man uh, is a really good, strong, healthy extra large fruit and it's showing um, a little bit of a disease resistance that's on there and just for a little bit of playful fun have you ever tried a tomato called indigo blueberries yes if purple color tones are not your favor this is a little playfulness that's on there the the actually the tomato turns into a little bit of a bluish color tone which is really kind of cute pair it up with yellow pear and pair it up with some little cherry tomatoes slice them in half put them in a bowl how colorful and how quick of a salad is that oh a little bit of maybe feta cheese a little bit of olive oil on top it would be good now remember it is earth day i am the earth and the earth is me each blade of grass each honey tree each bit of mud and stick and stone is blood and muscle, skin and bone. And just as I need every bit of me to make my body fit, so earth needs grass and stone and tree and things that grow here so naturally. 
That's why we celebrate this day. That's why across the world we say, As long as life as dear as free, I am the earth, and the earth is me. Happy Earth Day, everyone. We'll be back next week on the Lawn Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.